Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Mike, we have got a jam-packed show for you tonight. But first, before we get into it, Mike, uh, we're in the holiday season. And on behalf of all of us here at Post Time and all of us here uh, in the Bozich household, a very Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays uh, to everybody out there uh, that's uh, listening. Be safe and enjoy the holiday season. Yeah, the same from the Carter household as well. We want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, real quick, uh, a quick programming note, uh, I actually set the show up for two hours. So some of you may have seen that this is going to be a two-hour show. We only plan on it being about an hour or so, depending on, uh, you know, how time permits. So uh, sit down and enjoy the night. It's going to be a lot of fun, Mike. Yeah, it certainly is. We have a jam-packed show here for you tonight. We're going to be joined by in a few minutes uh, by our guy, Ken Warkington, the track announcer at uh, the Big M and Freehold. Stacy Ruddick, horsewoman from Indiana, will be joining us. You might have read uh, some of her articles uh, that she's been uh, uh, posting to HarnessRacing.com and, and U.S. Trotting about a gentleman by the name of Ted Barkas. So we'll talk a little bit more to her probably about the bottom of the hour. Anthony McDonald, once again, will join us, the continuing series about the stable.ca. He'll be here a little bit later on. But of course, Mike, 
the big, big news, I think what everybody's waiting for, uh, we have in our hands the nominations for the 2015 Post-Time Awards, uh, which will be announced throughout the show. About every 10 or 15 minutes or so, or maybe even a little closer, uh, we're going to, as the night goes on, uh, introduce to you the nominees for the first inaugural uh, Post-Time with Mike and Mike Awards. The big award show will be next Thursday. It'll be next Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. That'll be our two-hour bash, Mike. It'll be on New Year's Eve. We'll have the winners. It's going to be an open vote. We're going to tell you how to vote, how you can go about voting as the show progresses. So we're going to announce the nominees tonight. It's certainly a show that you're going to want to stay tuned to, and you're not going to want to miss a minute of it. Definitely. Well, we're going to come back with the uh, first of our nominations will be the race call of the year, Mike. And uh, we'll do that when we come back from a quick timeout. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Ladies and gentlemen, here are the nominees for the 2015 Race Call of the Year. Ken Middleton's call of the two-year-old Colton Gelding Breeders Crown Pace at Mohawk. Still there with the leader's betting line. Racing Hill on the outside coming to him. Control the moment. Tips wide for the drive. And Waples hits his accelerator as they come to the 7-8th pole. Betting line at the inside. Dead game. Racing Hill in the center. Far outside. Control the moment. And from way back, it's Boston Red Rocks on the far outside over the green monster. Here's Boston Red Rocks. Closing up to get it all. It's Boston Red Rocks with an amazing come from behind score in upset fashion as he stops the clock in 151-3. Sam McKee's call of the Valley Victory at the Meadowlands. It's doggone lucky with an eighth of a mile to go. Weightlifter T on the inside second. Marion Marauder racing up into third. Maker Miss on the outside. Lagerfeld between up. Doggone lucky. Maker Miss coming on on the outside. Doggone lucky. Maker Miss is charging hard on the outside at the line. Very tight. Maker Miss may have nailed. Doggone lucky. Milligan School third. Marion Marauder fourth. A photo for win in 154. James Witherite's call of the Empire Breeders Classic at Tioga. Four wide on this far turn. Artistic Major just three lengths off the lead. Now in the arsenal's left uncovered. Swinging three wide. The chase after Rockin' in Heaven. Three quarters, 122 and one. They're into the stretch. Rockin' in Heaven faces the judge a length and a half in front. Artistic Major is giving chase in the arsenal. Splitting rivals deepest out. A better hat plate on the scene. Up to the line. Rockin' in Heaven reaching. Rockin' in Heaven. Airs Ratliff's call of the Battle of Lake Erie at Northfield Park. Medhurst's call of the 374-1 shot at Rosecroft. 
Hope they come around that final turn. Logan's Fortune and Fairly a Virgin on the inside. Logan's Fortune on the outside. Hasn't been the best of trips. Fairly a Virgin fighting back. Look out, Tana Queen up the passing lane. Tana Queen zooming through on the inside at 99 billion to one. Roger Houston's call of the Little Brown Jug final. Lost the word with legitimate at the three quarters. One, 21 and one. 27 seconds, and they're still going at it. Lost the word with legitimate. The battle of the finish around the turn. Lost the word. Has the lead and starts to open up. With legitimate on the outside second. Can anybody catch him from the back? Coming home. Lost the word with legitimate. Coming home. Lost the word. And Warkinson's call of the Kane Pace at the Meadowlands. From way, way back, rolling ring of fire, three quarters, one, twenty, and four. Into the stretch, wiggle it, jiggle it, not today. Through the stretch and to the wire, it's Delta winner drawing clear. Delta winner by two. Artspeak into second, wiggle it, jiggle it next, and Yankee bounty. Dave Miller and Delta winner. You've got a winner at 26 to 1 in the cane. Delta winner. I'll tell you what, that is a star-studded division, uh, Mike Bozich, uh, the race call of the year. And uh, real quick, we're going to uh, we're going to re-highlight everybody in case you missed it. Uh, it's Ken Middleton's Breeders' Crown call with Boston Red Rocks climbing the Green Monster. Uh, Pete Medhurst calling the 374-to-1 long shot winner Zeta Queen at Rosecroft Raceway. Uh, our good friend James Witherite at Tioga Downs calling Rockin' in Heaven in the 2015 Empire Breeders Classic. Sam McKee in an epic stretch duel uh, called the Dead Heat in the Valley Victory at the Meadowlands. Uh, who could forget Roger Houston's call of the Little Brown Jug where Wiggle It Jiglet took on Lost for Words. Ayers Ratliff called an excellent race in the Battle of Lake Erie for Foiled Again. And, of course, our main man, Ken Warkenden, who will be joining us here momentarily, uh, was nominated as well, and it's the 2015 Kane Pace for Delta winner Mike. I'll tell you, it's a star-studded group, and uh, it, it, <laughs> I can't, I'll tell you what, I can't even separate them. Well, no, right, certainly not. And, and these were voted as voted, Mike. These were voted by the fans. They were nominated by the fans. And, of course, the fans will get a chance to vote on the, one of these fantastic race calls. I'm glad the pressure's off me. I certainly wouldn't want to pick a winner. All tremendous race calls, all very deserving. It'll be very interesting to see who takes home the prize, Mike. Yeah, definitely. Well, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to have Ken Workenden uh, join us. And Ken Workenden is nominated uh, race call of the year this year. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Mike, this category and every category is uh, very competitive, and it's, you know, just looking at all the categories, it's just a lot of fun. But listen, if you're going to tweet to us on social media, make sure you use the hashtag posttimeawards, as the USTA will be giving away some swag. And uh, Mike, I think we got our uh, first guest with us, don't we? 
Yeah, we certainly do. We're going to bring in the fantastic voice, not only of the Meadowlands, but the Freehold Raceway, our good buddy Ken Warkerton. Now, Ken, we, you're nominated, of course, for the Race Call of the Year, the 2015 Kane Pace, where Delta winner pulled off a, a very, very big upset in that particular affair. Now, you've called so many big races uh, throughout your career. Is, is there any of those that stick out to you that you could say, wow, this was the one that I remember the most? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I, I would just say that uh, one of the 16 Hamiltonians um, and uh, any of the, the big races on Hamiltonian Day, uh, there's just been so many, and I've been so fortunate to, uh, to you know, to be able to uh, to see so many great races and to be able to, you know, call the action. But a long, long time ago, before I got started, uh, a veteran race caller named Jack Stevens, who was uh, the regular race caller on the Ontario Jockey Club before it became the Woodbine Entertainment Group, said to me, he took me aside, he says, the stars are on the track. You're just there to highlight them. It's not about you. Well, Ken, what made you, let's, let's go back to those days. What uh, made you get into race calling? What made you want to become an announcer? Uh, I was a racing fan. Um, uh, my, me and my buddies uh, would go to the racetrack, and uh, you know, it was a kind of an, just an outing for us. Uh, we went to the various tracks in the, uh, around the Toronto area. I grew up in Toronto, uh, Greenwood, Mohawk, uh, Garden City. That that uh, the trio of tracks uh, formed the uh, Golden Horseshoe Circuit, as they called it. And there were about um, well, there were more than 20 B tracks, uh, seasonal tracks that raced mostly in the summer. So we would just go on outings and things like that. Um, I wasn't really into the horses per se that much until I met a guy in high school who uh, started putzing around on Saturdays and weekends and got a little more involved that way, uh, helping him out, uh, helping him train jog horses and things like that. And I just kind of uh, caught the bug that way. But I was more interested in um, uh, hockey and golf because <laughs> that's what you do in Canada. You play hockey in the winter and golf in the summer. And uh, uh, that those were my two main passions. Horse racing really wasn't in my, uh, and you know, and I was into music too. I was really, you know, that's what I started. Uh, I was a DJ, a disc jockey at a top forty station, and I'm still to this day very much interested in music too. So um, my career could have taken a different path, but I kind of followed my nose, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm happy with what I, you know, the direction I chose. Now, Ken, you've called it. A- ton of racetracks and uh speaking of hockey real quick i, I since moving mm-hmm. to buffalo i haven't really become that big into hockey i guess i guess i, I guess i should have the only name i know is uh eichel <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh but ken you've called it so many racetracks half miles five eighths of course the mile track at the meadowlands it, do you have a favorite track that you like to call at or that you have called at uh, no, I, not really. I could say the Meadowlands because I do like the mile track. I can remember when I first came to the Meadowlands, I marveled at how slow the horses seemed to go because it was a, a mile track to just a, a configuration. It just seemed like they were going slower, but of course they were going a lot faster than where I had come <laughs> from. Uh, I worked at uh, Flamborough Downs, uh, just um, northeast of Toronto, in Dundas, Ontario there. I worked there for eight years. Mostly the smaller tracks in Ontario are, are small tracks, like half-mile tracks, I should say, smaller configurations. Um, I, I think my favorite size track is a 5-8-mile track, uh, but I really don't uh, have a preference. Um, you know, I, I like tracks that 
that the, the smaller tracks seem to bring the, the fans are closer to the action, and and of course you are as well. It's just a more intimate setting, uh, whereas the mile track, uh, you know, they're, they're just they're far away, and and it's uh, you know in some cases it's like ant racing. You know, you the the uh, the entities that you need to uh, uh, focus on are are, are small, <laughs> and uh, you know, but. Uh, I'm not complaining about the mile track, really. Uh, it, it's a uh, it, it's a rhythm. You know, you just got to get into a different type of rhythm. And on uh, Saturdays, I work at Freehold, and then I go to the Meadowlands, and uh, it takes about one or two races at the Meadowlands to get back into the rhythm of that mile racing. That's what I was going to ask you, Ken. We talked about uh, talk about the day uh, per week there uh, throughout the year where you have to do double duty. I mean, you've got the half mile during the day, you've got the mile at night, and uh, that's certainly. And you talk about rhythm. Uh, does that affect it at all, or, or do you just, or, or like you say, did you just kind of go right into it? I think you just play it by ear. At, at my age, I've, I've, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I'm automatic. Um, or put it in automatic mode, but it, again, takes a couple of races once I come to the Meadowlands to kind of get back into uh, uh, the rhythm that I feel comfortable with. And uh, um, the, the half-mile track racing is uh, is it just a, uh, I don't know, it's, it's hard to describe. It's just a little more of a, uh, I don't know, um, the cadence is just different, uh, the rhythm's different, uh, a little, uh, I think it's just a little quicker where the mile track, the bigger the track, the more relaxed you seem to be. Uh, and uh, there's just a little more, uh, less talking and a little more uh, descriptive, uh, a little more deliberate, I think is the, is the word I'm trying to come up with uh, for a mile track or a bigger track or a track like Monmouth Park, like a thoroughbred call is more deliberate and not as sing song. You got to fill every single white space, you know, uh, and, and it's all about your own style too. I mean, that's just you know you have to be yourself. Um, and some guys like to have to fill every millisecond of dead air, and I don't feel that necessary. I think that, uh, especially with the aging crowd that horse racing has, I think you just have to be clear and concise and accurate, of course. Um, but you, you, you know, I think you need to be more deliberate and not try to cram in as much and muddle up a call with so much detail. Right, and that's what I've noticed uh, about guys like you, Ken, and Frank Salive, that, um, you know, you guys, uh, instead of cra- – and, and I do that when I get nervous. When I get nervous, I go faster. I, it's, I, mm-hmm. Somehow I feel like I've got to fill every millisecond of, of something. It just can't be any dead air. But guys like you and uh, Frank I've learned so much from because you guys kind of use those pauses to help build your drama as it builds up throughout the race, and that's – you know, one of the things that, you know, I've learned from listening to you guys. But, you know, we're all announcers here, and everybody has not only their own style, but their own way of preparing for a race call. Ken, how do you do it? Well, um, I go over the proof uh, before, uh, when that comes out, before the actual program comes out, and I'll just kind of glance over it um, and get, you know, I think that the number one thing you need to get is pronunciations proper, uh, you know, including trainers and owners and, and in you know in this day and age you have the internet to help you and if you're in doubt you just make a few phone calls and try to get people's names right and horses' names right or the way they want it the way the owner wants the horse's name pronounced so I think that's really important and 
you know, lends itself to your integrity is, is when you, you know, make you utter the right pronunciations of, of horses and people's names and drivers and so on. I think that's number one. And after a while, you kind of get used to the way horses race, certain horses, their characteristics and styles and things like that. But, you know, you don't want to um, have any, uh, you kind of don't want to have that in your mind because you, you want to be open-minded once the gate springs. You know, you know, horses can fool you. They can make liars out of you. They can make moves that you wouldn't know, you wouldn't think they'd make, and drivers do funny things sometimes, and jockeys and so on. <laughs> you really have to keep an open mind. I think that's really important. And just shut up and call what you're seeing as opposed to trying to predict what's going to happen or force it out, uh, force, you know, or, do you, you know, you can't be defiant and, and think, well, why did he do that? You know, you can't editorialize too much. You know, you're, you're performing a, a professional service, and it's important to be professional and objective and not let – I mean, I don't gamble. Um, I don't really care who wins a race. Do I have a, a vest? You know, I mean, I might have a sentimental choice in the race or hope that a horse does well or a driver does well and so on or a milestone comes through or something like that. But honestly, I don't care. I just want, you know, the race to be – uh, clean and safe, everybody's safe, and everybody gets a fair shot. That's another one. Uh, but that doesn't always happen either. So, again, you've got to keep an open mind uh, when once the gate springs. And you never, as you as you guys know, you never know what's going to happen. So it's, a, it's all about how you react to it and naturally react to it. Now, Ken, you've called thousands of horses over the years. Um, does one or maybe two stick out in your mind uh, as being ones that you remember specifically? Uh, not Maybe not one, uh, maybe a, a few, a couple. Uh, a Camfella is probably my favorite horse. Uh, Camfella did something that, you know, just about nobody is. You know, Wiggle Jiggle has a chance to do what he did as a four-year-old. You know, win 28 in a row. Uh, horse of the Year again. He won his last 28 races. Traveled all around with Pat Crow. I mean, he was just a great, great horse and a great sire. And, and uh, you know, he, he changed the breed. I thought Muscle Hill was maybe the greatest trotter, one of the greatest trotters I've ever seen. He was as good in the Breeders' Crown at the end of his three-year-old Horse of the Year season than as he was early in the season. I mean, you know, with all due respect to Greg Peck, no, nobody could mess that horse up. He was just so great. And, of course, now he's a super sire. Uh, and the first time I saw Sun Beach Somewhere was uh, Meadowlands Pace Elimination. Uh, the week before his only loss, of course, in the world record of the artificial race, the week after that, which I think is the greatest race I ever saw next to the jug this year. Um, Sun Beach Somewhere, to me, was, was just... I. When somebody somewhere won that elimination, because Sam called the final, I sat in the booth. It was in the old grandstand. I sat in the booth for about 20 minutes, and I had to say, to my, I had to gather myself up and say, okay, come on, let's go. You know, there's another race coming up. I was so astounded by this horse and his presence and his ability, or his his performance, I should say, and his ability and his talent. I thought to myself, that was the greatest horse I ever saw, right there, right there. I think that was it. I think somebody somewhere was. And, of course, he's been a superstar as well. So those three horses kind of stand out to me. Visiting with Ken Morganton, track announcer for the Meadowlands and uh, Freehold during the day. Now, Kenny, we've all got them. Funny, 
announcing stories. Uh, this sport is so unpredictable. Uh, sometimes in our craft, you know, things can happen unpredictable. I know I've got a whole slew of them. Uh, Kenny, you got any funny stories you could share with us being up there in the booth? Um, hmm, I'd have to go way, way back. Uh, I, I'm sure a few funny things have happened at the Meadowlands, but I can't really, uh, off the top of my head, uh, come up with anything that's too, too funny. Um, I can go back to uh, the days at Flamborough. Uh, one night, a friend of mine who was a horseman at the time, uh, he, he asked me uh, to come up to watch a race. And I said, sure, any time. And he kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. He finally shows up one night in the booth. And it was a very, very windy night uh, up there on the hill. And, uh, you know, it was just, uh, uh, again, a, a real blustery night and so on. So uh, the race goes off, the race starts, and they get to the quarter pole, and all the lights go out. The, 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 the power had failed. I guess it was an outside power source. It was hydro, as they say, in Canada had failed. So you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And <laughs> He, he looked at me and said, now what are you doing? And I said, I really don't know. <laughs> and it turned out the power never came back on. A few emergency lights came on. Um, you know, we, we left. That, it was like the third or fourth race of the night. We had to go home. That was the end of it. And unfortunately, a few horses and drivers got injured. I don't think there were any fatalities. And uh, there was one other time when it happened, coming down the stretch in the very first race of the night, at Flamborough, where the power went out, in the same type of situation, you couldn't see anything, couldn't see your hand in front of your face. There were horses and drivers down on the track. It, it happened right before the finish line. The judges are yelling at me to uh, uh, declare it no contest. The money is going to be refunded, and of course, I couldn't do that. And so, uh, I guess those aren't funny situations, but uh, you know, uh, they were certainly uh, eventful. Well, Ken, a real quick story of mine, and this was at the beginning of my announcing career. I actually got my start calling dog races down at the Birmingham race course uh, when they went from thoroughbreds to dogs uh, way back in the late 1990s. And, of course, I was green. I was a rookie. And uh, we had just had – it was probably my second month on the job, and we had just had a general manager change. And I did have a chance to meet him as of that time. And, uh, you know, everybody was coming up to me say, listen, you got to be on your P's and Q's. He's coming up, he's making his rounds tonight, and this guy is kind of a, you know, he's very strict and very stern and just be on your P's and Q's. So here I am, a kid, I'm all nervous. And uh, so this guy comes up, he doesn't really say anything. Uh, it's about a minute to post, so the dogs are going in the box. I call the race. And uh, so he walks out of there, then he comes back in, and uh, he says, well, i got to tell you, he says, that's a pretty darn good race call. And I said, really? And he says, yeah. He says, I'll tell you for, you know, that's tremendous for somebody of your age. He says, so he turned around, and I thought I was, I, I had the thumbs up, man. I thought I was in fantastic shape. And then he turns around, and he goes, next time you might want to turn your mic on. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually well, called the race with the <laughs> mic off. And, well, the rest is history. I survived, but he must have liked me. I did do that once at the Meadowlands. Uh, many, many years ago, um, a race went, uh, and after the race, one of the, the managers came in and told me that the mic was not on that race. So, uh, oh, but, I, you know, I've, just been, I've been fortunate like, I, I, to avoid any disasters, and I've been fortunate to work with some great, great people. Uh, I, you know, I'm surrounded by, you know, a, a team of, of great, talented, extremely talented people, 
I mean, there's people behind the scenes at the Meadowlands that no one ever hears about, and they never get awards, and they never get accolades. You know, there's a lady named Marjorie Roman who's been at the Meadowlands for like 10 years, and she edits all our, her and Ozzy Cologne, um, the great Oz. These two people, they, they edit all our TV work and our videos and, and do the night-to-night stuff um, producing and so on. And they're just, they're, 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 they're heroes. They, they're magical people. They're very talented people, and they just never get recognized. They never get a, an award, and, and those are the people that, you know, I've been so fortunate to work with. Uh, they're so professional. They're courteous. They're, they're, uh, they they'll go out of their way to do things for you. And, um, and, and like I said, and, and they make you want to come to work and, and do well. Um, and and that, that's what, what uh, you know, that's, at the end of the day, that's really what matters. Now, Ken, one more uh, quick question for you. Uh, I, we know you go to PEI every year. Uh, you go to Charlottetown, uh, where the Gold Cup and Saucer is. What is that experience like? Uh, I plan on getting up there one of these years, hopefully within the next year or two. But what is that experience like? Is it anything like you've ever experienced, like the Little Brown Jug, or is it uh, is it a lot more than that? It's very similar to Little Brown Jug. I'm, I'm going to say it's just different. Uh, it's an, it, the, the jug is great. I, I had a chance to uh, uh, work the jug for ESPN a few years, ESPN2 with uh, Gary Seibel. Um, and, and, you know, as you guys know, if you've been there, the jug's great. Uh, the Gold Cup oh, yeah. saucer in and of itself is a, is a wonderful event. Uh, the people are wonderful to work with. They're the greatest people in the world. They're so kind. They, they'll, they'll, you know, they invite you in their home. They'll do anything they, you know, you, they'll do anything for you. And um, I work with a fellow named Lee Drake, another guy, Peter McPhee, and all the crew up there. They're just wonderful, wonderful people. Um, and and they, they, they race the tail off these horses. Uh, you know, they do double headers all week. Uh, and the fans are, are very passionate. They don't race for a lot of money. Um, they just love the sport and they put a lot into it and, and night after night, race after race, it's amazing. These, these, uh, uh, you know, lower class horses will win a race and there'll be like 50 people in the winner circle, hundreds of people in the winner circle, like friends, family, everybody knows everybody. Um, and it's, it's just such a great, they take such great joy out of just winning a race an ordinary race. Um, and the gold cup and saucer night itself, there's a lot of hoopla, Surrounding it, a lot of dignitaries there. The premier, who would be like the governor, the premier is there, and the premiers, you know, they're very casual people. They walk up, shake your hand, that sort of thing, um, and very appreciative of you being there and helping out and making the event a, a great one. It's great for tourism there. Their two biggest industries are uh, are tourism and potatoes and seafood, of course. <laughs> the seafood's great, and <laughs> potatoes are grown everywhere there. Uh, in the rich soil, and but the the race itself, as you know, goes off at midnight. And this year, uh, they had a monsoon hit the place around 11:30, right at right during the um, the uh, post parade, which uh, you know they parade all the horses under the uh, spotlight after the island hymn is sung. And there's 25,000 people in this small track, small place crammed in there and so the monsoon comes they cancel the race until they postpone it until the next day so the next day was a nice sunny clear sunny day they held the race at one race one race at three o'clock in the afternoon and i swear twenty thousand, twenty-five. 25 everybody came back there's no one else had anything they had nothing to do 
nothing else to do. So they all came back to watch one race, and it was a dramatic photo finish, and, uh, you know, it was just a, a wonderful day, and it was history was made. It was, uh, it, it's just a place where they really appreciate uh, the roots of the sport. It's the cradle of harness racing. It's the Kentucky of Canada. It's, uh, I, I look forward to going. When I cross that Confederation Bridge every August uh, on my way there, I just can't wait to get there. It's just, uh, uh, the, and they welcome you with open arms, and it doesn't matter who you are. Um, You've got to go at least once and check it out. Track announcer at the Meadowlands and Freehold Raceway, our good friend Ken Warkinson, also uh, one of the nominees for the 2015 Race Call of the Year, as far as the post-time awards are concerned. Ken, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and we'll have to bring you back. It was a lot of fun. Anytime, anytime. I'm, uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas to everyone, and a Happy New Year, and we'll see you at the Meadowlands or Freehold. Uh, Merry Christmas. All right. Sounds good. Take care. That was Ken Warkington. Uh, certainly a lot of fun to talk to. Well, we got to take a time out. We might use up this two hours, Mike. Who knows? It's a good thing you've done that. We'd, listen, when we come back, uh, we're going to have the nominations for the Race Fan of the Year, so you're not going to want to miss that. And then on deck, we're going to talk to Stacy Ruddick, uh, the horsewoman, uh, and uh, we'll get to know more about her in just a moment. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike. Give your horse the winning touch with MagnaWave, pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. It relieves pain, improves movement, stimulates acupuncture points, reduces inflammation. Get immediate results. Call the Essential Touch LLC Certified MagnaWave Practitioner, 302-922-0917. Get the winning touch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to announce the nominees for the 2015 Race Fan of the Year. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And just like Mike Bozich brought us back with fans of the year. And I'll tell you what, uh, we've got five very good candidates that uh, we're going to go over them real quick. Our first nominee is the manager. Uh, <laughs> the manager was nominated uh, for race fan of the year. Uh, Mr. Ted Barkis was also nominated uh, for race fan of the year. So was Albert Nash. Steve and Charlie Conway, and Mr. Tom Dubrick. So uh, five great nominees there, Mike. Yeah, certainly all bring in uh, their own flair. And, you know, we're putting these awards together. You know, we thought it was very important to do a race fan of the year because uh, there's so much positive support out there in the industry uh, by a lot of race fans. And I don't think, uh, you know, they get the credit they deserve sometimes. Uh, so we decided to uh, add this category a race fan of the year and once again we'll be announcing these nominations throughout the course of the show and we'll also tell you before we go off the air how you can vote as a matter of fact mike when are the polls going to open are we have an official time on that yet uh they will open about eight twenty. as soon as the show's over we will tweet out the uh link and we'll also send it to the usta and they will get it out for us and i'll tell you what it's going to be uh it's going to be a lot of fun 
All right. At this time, we're going to bring in Stacy Reddick, a horsewoman from the uh, Indiana area, races uh, quite a bit at Hoosier Park. Uh, Stacy, welcome into the show. Hi, Mike. And Mike, how are you? How are you doing? Uh, certainly a pleasure to have you on. Well, before we get, uh, because you know we've all been reading the uh, the very very kind things that um, you've been writing about uh, Ted Barkus, who is uh, one of the nominees for the 2015 Race Fan of the Year, and, and we'll get to him in just a moment. But uh, first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you got some horses down at Hoosier Park, and uh, certainly the Indiana program, the racing uh, down there is, is certainly flourishing. Tell us uh, a little bit about your stable. Um, well, my family operates a standard red farm that's kind of in south-central Indiana. Um, we offer services from foaling to sales prep to turnouts, and we do train a few. Um, we actually first started off racing trotting bred ponies. Um, I parents raced those before I was born and we got our first standard bread when I was four. Um, my parents always had regular jobs and we just had a few horses on the side when I was in school and then on to college. <clears throat> and after college, we raced a larger stable for a few years. I'd say the most we ever had in training was like eight to 10 horses. Um, we actually did race a horse in the 2006 little brown jug named abs beach boy. He finished fourth in his elimination the year it was won by Mr. Feelgood. Um, and then when my dad retired from his full-time job, we purchased a larger farm. It was at that point that we transitioned mainly into becoming a breeding operation. Um, we do still train a few horses, but we mainly raise yearlings to sell. Uh, so we sell at the Indiana Sales, and we've sold at Lexington. And for the first time this year, we actually sold two yearlings at Harrisburg. And that was a really good experience for us. We sold an Andover Hall filly for 70000 who's going to be trained by Nifty Norman. So we're happy about that. Pennsylvania was good to us, so we'll have three or four to bring back there next year to sell at Harrisburg. All right. You know, Stacy, that we talked about the Indiana program and just how much since the uh implementation of slot machines down there, just how much it's it's improved and and uh no, it's absolutely. just uh, terrific because yeah, because Indiana's my home state. And uh, just terrific to see uh the state of Indiana doing so well. Now Stacy, let's talk a little bit about um, Ted Barkus. You've been writing these uh, articles um, that uh, we recently saw on the USDA and Harness Link and, and HarnessRacing.com, uh, and he's one of our nominees for a 2015 Race Fan of the Year. Tell us a little bit about uh, about Ted and, and how you get to, you got to know him. Okay. Um, well, if you spend enough time in the industry, you really get to know a lot of really amazing people, and Ted's one of those really unique and wonderful people. And I just recently learned that he also worked as a janitor for the Ohio Department of Transportation for 20 years. But I met Ted at the Delaware County Fair several years ago. Um, he came to the fairgrounds each morning, and he would stop and talk to the horsemen. And I was one of the people lucky enough that he did um, stop and talk to in the mornings. And I had asked a few people around the fairgrounds about this guy. And at that point was I discovered that he actually lived in Delaware his whole life. And he did groom horses for a few people there over the years. Um, Bob Davenport and Harold McNamara were two places that he worked. Um, and then they told me a story about there was a blizzard in 1977 when he actually walked to the fairgrounds um, and fed and watered horses until people could get there. Um, when I met Ted at the fair, I had an old horse named George W. who raced there probably eight or nine years in a row, and he won several times, and that was one of Ted's favorite horses. So he would always come and ask me which day George was racing at the fair, and I always invited him to the winter circle, but he never did come. Probably the first year I met Ted, he asked me if I sent him a Christmas card. Would I, if he sent me a Christmas card, would I send him one back? And I was like, yeah, sure, thinking, you know, maybe he will, maybe he won't. But that <laughs> winter, I got a card, um, and I returned one to him, and we've actually sent cards back and forth every year since then. 
Stacy, t- tell us a little bit about what Ted's going through right now and, and uh, some of the reason you've been writing these articles. Yeah, um, I actually didn't know it until I received this card this year, but Ted is actually dealing with cancer. Um, they found a tumor on his lung earlier this year, and now they have found another one in his pancreas that is stage four. Um, and, I mean, pa- pancreatic cancer is really a bad deal. We lost a friend and client to the same disease about five years ago now, and it's just one of those that's really tough to beat. Um, one of the things that I love about this industry, it, despite you know some of the things that, that go on, uh, that certainly we need to deal with. But one of the things that I love about this industry is the fact that when things like this happen, the industry comes together. And, yeah. uh, you know, talk a little bit about, Stacy, how, how the industries come together. I know you've you got the Christmas card thing going, um, and there have been some people that have, have, uh, are going to uh, send Ted some real nice things. Talk about how the industry is coming together a little bit. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people have contacted me to tell me how much they appreciate me sharing um, the information about Ted because a lot of those people, they knew Ted because just like me, he had made friends with them over the years at Delaware. Um, So they knew him, but they would have had no idea either. Um, And I hope his mailman looks like Santa Claus carrying sacks full of mail up to his house each day. Um, But Kathy Parker of the Horseman Affair World sent him a card along with some issues of the magazine, so I'm sure that Ted will enjoy those. Bill Terry with the Little Brown Jug Society told me that they were sending him a card with a picture of the 2015 jug winner, Wiggle It, Jiggle It, on it. He's getting a book from, I believe, Alan Harvey. Um, and I'm also told that the Birch Stable is sending him something from the 2015 Jugette winner, Sasa Hanover. So I was just hoping to get him some well wishes from people, so this was even more than I could have imagined that people would send him. Outstanding. And he's uh, right now he's a finalist, a nominee, for the uh, 2015 Race Fan of the Year, the first annual post-time with uh, yeah. Mike and Mike Awards. Uh, listen, Stacey, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, what's ahead for the, sta- okay. uh, for the uh, Ruddick Stables in 2016? Anything we should be looking forward to? Um, I have a couple horses to race in the Kentucky Sire Stakes this year. Um, we have, I think, 20 or 22 babies to be born starting here pretty soon, so I'll have that keeping me busy. And um, and I guess I'll hopefully bring a few more back to Harrisburg in the fall, so. All right, Stacey. We, listen, have a very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and yours, and we certainly appreciate you joining us, and we certainly appreciate you uh, making the harness racing community uh, aware about uh, Ted Barkus and, uh, and uh, the obstacles that he's facing. Absolutely. And do you want me to give you his address again in case anyone Absolutely. wants to Absolutely. I'm, I'm, okay. Yes, I'm glad you reminded me. Please give us, <laughs> okay. address, give us the address so we could send some cards. Sure. Um, it's going to get to Ted Barkus. That's B-A-R-C-U-S. 104 Chamberlain Street, Delaware, Ohio, 43015. Um, And I know it's close to Christmas, but I'm sure he wouldn't mind a Happy New Year card or just how you doing, or if you're on vacation somewhere, drop him a postcard. He would appreciate it. Fantastic. It's Ted Barkas, 104 Chamberlain Street, Delaware, Ohio, 43015. Is that correct? Yep, that's it. All right. Stacey, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Okay. Thank you for having me. All right, that was Stacy Reddick. Uh, what a great thing, uh, you know, that she's done in sending these uh, releases to the United States Trotting Association and to uh, all the other uh, websites. And it's fantastic, like I said, Mike, to see this industry rally around 
And uh, once again, if you haven't heard it, if that's the first time you heard the story, uh, 104 Chamberlain Street, Delaware, Ohio, 43015, Ted Barkus. Uh, make sure you send him something. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we've actually tweeted out the address to Ted Barkus. So uh, I'll tell you what, send him a card. Uh, I know I'm going to. I'm going to have to go to the store tomorrow and pick up a card. Uh, and who knows? Uh, maybe he's going to be, maybe he will be mailed a Race Fan of the Year award. But that's up to you guys. It's totally up to you guys. And, uh, Mike, I think we'll talk more about that in our small stable of the year is up next. Post time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable. And if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, Please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time to announce the nominations for the 2015 Small Stable Award. Small Stable of the Year Award. And Mike, I'll tell you what, we've got six candidates here, and they're from all over the country, and that's what makes this uh, so much better. And uh, Mike, do you want to give us the nominees for the uh, for the award? Well, why don't you go ahead, my friend? I'm still uh, messing around with the slider. For those of you that don't know, this is my first real interaction with our little online studio here. So, Mike, I'm gonna I'm gonna cede the honors to you, my friend, if you don't mind. All right. Well, the first nominee for the small stable of the year is Nikki and Cheryl McGivern. They race with Royal Deceptor out at Saratoga and through the New York Sire Stakes. So congratulations to them for being a finalist. The second finalist is Miss Joanne Looney King. Joanne Looney King, of course, uh, the trainer of Wakazashi Hanover. The third one is Mr. Larry Reinheimer the trainer of Freaky Feet Pete. And, Mike, I'll tell you what, we've got a couple of Western New York guys on this list as well, uh, one of them being Mr. James Clouser Jr. James Clouser joined us last week on the program. Uh, J.D. Perrin is listed for Small Stable of the Year. He races at Buffalo uh, Raceway and Batavia Downs. And so J.D. Perrin is being considered for the award as well. And then Dr. Ian Moore, up in Canada, I'll tell you, Dr. Ian Moore has a great, great stable. And uh, you know what? All six of these guys have good horses. They've got, you know, I, I, I'll tell you what, Mike, <laughs> looking at all these guys, I don't know who's going to win this award. Well, that's the thing about the small stable. They might be small in stature as far as a uh, head count of horses is concerned. But, uh, you know, a lot of times these small stables don't get the credit they deserve. And uh, who's going to win? I'll tell you, it's a fantastic uh, slate there, six nominees. And uh, we'll tell you how you can vote before you go off the air. It looks like the polls are going to be opening shortly. And uh, we'll keep you up to date on how you can do that. Also ahead, we still have the nominees for Horsewoman uh, of the Year Iron Horse of the Year, and Upset of the Year. So we still have a lot of nominees. Still a long way to go, Mike, on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. 
That's right. I'll tell you what, we've got a lot of great stories coming up. But, Mike, let's real quick discuss the uh, Dan Patch Awards. They were actually uh, given out uh, this past week. And our good friend Gabe Pruitt is going to be on the show next week with us. That's correct, Gabe Pruitt uh, winning the Breakthrough Award. But to some great awards there, Rising Star, uh, of course, no surprise going to Montreal Teague. I don't think he's rising. I think he's here. You talk about the future. Not only does he have the future working for him, but he's got the present. Uh, the Good Guy Award went to a pretty good gal, Joanne Looney King. Uh, she adds to her hardware. Unsung Hero Award to Joanne Young, Breeder of the Year. Hanover Shoe Farm, certainly no surprise there. Trotting broodmare, broodmare Margie Sealster, and the pacing broodmare, uh, Monty Hanover. So congratulations uh, to uh, all those fine winners uh, as well. And one of the things that I just read today that I want to bring up, Mike, the Florida Ushua, good friend uh, Steve Wolf, uh, the president of the Florida chapter of uh, the uh, United States Harness Riders Association, United States Harness Riders Association, they announced three Hall of Fame inductees, uh, Wally Ross Jr., Tom Sells, Trotton Tom Sells, and a guy who I am so happy is getting the recognition that he deserved. That's my old boss at Hazel Park Raceway, Mr. Ken Marshall. Uh, I'll tell you, Ken is uh, just a tremendous guy, Mikey. Uh, he's, uh, you've called uh, a couple of days over there at Hazel Park. I don't know if you had a chance to meet Kenny or not, but I'll tell you, if, if it wasn't for that man, I certainly wouldn't be sitting here today. He's just been an unbelievable uh, inspiration, leader, teacher to me, and uh, he's uh, done a fantastic job uh, keeping the ship afloat at Hazel Park. So he is... Uh, going to, he's one of three Hall of Fame inductees, and I think they're going to do that in the middle part of uh, February uh, down in Florida. And if I know uh, my good friend Kenny, as soon as that's over, he'll be out sitting in the ocean fishing, hoping to catch some good fish. So anyway, heartfelt congratulations uh, to all them three guys and all the award winners, uh, but especially to my old boss, Kenny. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Mike, uh, the the winners of these awards, and uh, I, I briefly... Um, talked to, you know, Gabe Pruitt yesterday, and you know, just the amount of excitement that he had, just you know, and he wasn't even expecting this, and that that is a huge, huge thing. And uh, I'll tell you what, the gratefulness of everybody. I worked with Kenny Marshall. Kenny Marshall was a lot of fun to work with. I met him a couple of times out there at Hazel Park, and uh, I'll tell you what, Mike, the, these awards really shine a light on people who deserve to be recognized. Yeah, certainly. And one word about uh, Gabe, too, not only – and they're having such a terrific year. He's down at Pompano right now, um, and, uh, he, you know, they're having such a terrific year down there where his handle goes. And Gabe is a big, big reason for that uh, because not only does he, you know, supply fantastic race calls, but uh, also he, uh, you know, he kind of helps out, or maybe he's the man. I'm not, I don't know. We'll have to find out next <laughs> week of staggering post time, staying off racetracks, doing that sort of thing. I kind of did that at Hazel Park for a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, I know how hard that can be. But uh, one of the things that, in my opinion, is very, very important, uh, not only in the sport of harness racing, but thoroughbred racing, is to try to keep off of these tracks 
these other tracks, and I think all tracks can, you know, maximize handle that way. But Gabe only always does uh, he does that as well. He's also the voice of uh, uh, the Red Mile a couple of months out of the year. He just does a lot of different things, and uh, certainly very deserving of the Breakthrough Award. And he will be uh, one of a star-studded cast that we're going to have next week on this particular show. It's going to be our first ever Post Time with Mike and Mike award show. And uh, Gabe Pruitt's going to be here. We're going to have a star-studded cast. Of course, we're going to announce the award winners. And also, Mike, we're going to be doing some giveaways as well. But we'll talk more about that uh, a little bit later on. Yeah, we'll talk about those things towards the end of the show. And again, if you're joining the conversation, make sure you're tweeting out with hashtag Post Time Awards as the USTA will be giving out some swag prizes here uh, throughout the evening. And uh, I'll tell you what, Mike, they've done an excellent job really backing us up uh, over this week. We had a nice conversation with Allison Conte yesterday. So I'll tell you what, it's a lot of fun to work with the USTA and to get these uh, awards together. But, Mike, I'll tell you who else it's a lot of fun to work with, our sponsors. Uh, let's, uh, let's take a quick commercial break. Let's hear from our sponsor, Essential Touch, who uh, took some time out to sponsor our show. Do you suffer from migraines, back pain? Do you have shoulder problems or sciatica? Treat yourself to a MagnaWave treatment. Call the Essential Touch at 302-922-0917. Like us on Facebook at the Essential Touch LLC and check out our website at theessentialtouchllc.com. We are certified in... Ladies and gentlemen, Time to announce the nominees for the 2015 Horsewoman of the Year. Time to announce the Horsewoman of the Year uh, nominations. And our first nominee is Miss Emily Gaskin from Hoosier Park. Uh, she does a fantastic job out there, and she uh, was nominated to Horsewoman of the Year. Also nominated is Joanne Looney King. And I'll tell you what, Mike, we're going to talk about this here in a minute, but Joanne's got a shot to win a couple of these awards tonight. Uh, Hannah Miller has had an excellent year all year long. So we're, uh, we're excited to have Hannah as one of the nominees. Also, Miss Vicki DeSommer, and, and if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. And Western New York trainer Maria Rice is named as uh, Horsewoman of the Year nominee as well. Yep, certainly some fantastic names there. And like you said, Joanne could uh, thank in a couple of these prizes, but uh, uh, we certainly appreciate the, everything they do. Um, and a great, great uh, list of uh, women uh, that uh, do their thing. And uh, we'll see what happens uh, as they are the five nominees for the uh, 2015 Post Time uh, with uh, Mike and Mike, Horsewomen of the Year. Well, without further ado, Mike, we had a chance to sit down and uh, talk to uh, Anthony McDonald. It's our continuing series uh, concerning the stable.ca. And I know over the last couple of weeks uh, we've talked to Anthony. Uh, the first couple of weeks it was kind of uh, like an introduction 
uh, to what exactly the stable.ca is. And then last week, we got a little bit more into the nuts and bolts of website functionality and uh, things of that sort, what you do once you've made the decision to actually, you know, go one or two percent or more uh, on a particular horse. Well, this was a little bit of a different interview. I had to sit down, Anthony, and learn uh, a little bit more about him. So without further ado, it's Anthony McDonald from the stable.ca. Visiting with Anthony McDonald of thestable.ca, and over the past couple of weeks, we've talked about thestable.ca and why it is a wise investment and uh, certainly the 21st century way of owning horses. And uh, last week, we talked to Anthony a little bit more about the functionality of the website and the things of that sort. Well, today, we're going to uh, get a little bit more personal with Anthony. We're going to talk about Anthony McDonald, the trainer, driver, and horse owner. Anthony, welcome in. Really good, man. Really good. Thanks for having me on. All right, no problem. Anthony, tell us a little bit how you got started in the business. Well, like most young people, I mean, I grew up, my brother and I, Mark, uh, grew up watching, uh, you know, virtually every race you could watch on TV. You know, we were coming up, simulcasting was just getting started. And, uh, you know, we, we watched everything we possibly could. And, you know, we wanted to be the next John Campbell, the same as every other kid our age. And, and, um, did what every kid had to do, you know, what everybody has to do in this industry, and we worked hard, you know, we started out as grooms, we moved away from home when we were 17 or 18, moved to Windsor, Ontario, and worked for worked for people there, and uh, I lived in Detroit for a few months after that, my brother went to Montreal, and I moved to Montreal, and came to Ontario, and we bounced around, you know, always trying to work for the best people at the places we were at, and um, you know, get a real good, real good glimpse at what it was like to train horses, and um, we're we're very fortunate to be involved with a lot of good people in the industry. And you know, my grandfather always said, you know, you're only as good as the people you hang around with. So we always tried. I always did anyway. Tried to hang around the best people I could and, and uh, work with the best people I could and be involved with the best people I could, whether it be owners or trainers or or drivers or whatnot. And um, you know, I, I think that that played a big role and you know, who I ended up being and where I ended up being, to be honest. Being in the horse business, you could throw the 9-to-5 out the window. Being a horse owner, horse trainer, horse driver makes for some long days. Take us through a day in the life of Anthony McDonald. I'm fortunate in a lot of respects. You know, I got a really, really sweet wife who works her butt off and get two real wonderful, healthy kids, and, and I get to race horses for a living. So I get the best of every world you could ask for in this industry, and um, you know, when I get up, my wife gets up before I do in the morning and goes to the barn and gets started. I take the kids to daycare and to school and um, join her at the barn with the rest of the people and get jogging and, and training the horses. And um, from time to time, I have to stop and answer some emails or take some phone calls in the, in the middle of the morning or the afternoon. And, and um, people usually stop by to say hello. So um, we finish putting the horses away, and the vet usually drops by to see if anything needs done and and um you know if we have to go race we go race if we don't we go home uh, pick the kids up from daycare and school and and uh you know that's it we do it we do that you know six seven days a week and it, it sounds really busy to people that aren't in the industry but you know i wouldn't have it any other way and i'm certain if you ask my wife she'd tell you the same thing you know it's just it's a great industry to be involved in and and um although we do put in a lot of hours and especially her um, we we love every minute of it. Anthony, talk about some of the favorite horses you've had in the past and uh, some of the horses that you have currently. My brother and I, uh, James.
James had some really, really good horses in, in um, 2008, 9, 7. I think we had Starzel and PH Jackpot, Noble Test. You know, just horses that could bang out money regularly in Ontario. And then when we sold them down in the States, they continued to, continued to do the same down there. So, um, you know, it's really hard to put your put your finger on the, on a good horse. We, we were lucky enough to get a lot of them. Um, so horses we have right now, I mean, I, I, I like to focus on the, on the young horses we have, not just the yearlings, but the two-year-olds. We have some coming back, and I had a trot and colt that uh, he went in 157 as a two-year-old. And, um, I'm really excited to have him back as a, as a three-year-old next year. His name was uh, V for Victory. And, um, you know, we got, we got a lot of a lot of yearlings that are, you know, having this many yearlings, it's every week a different one bounces up where you think, Jesus, is going to be a really nice horse. And we've had a number of them like that. And, um, you know, you can see them on the site. And again, I, you know, I hate, hate bringing it up all the time, but at the same time, this is exactly why we have the site. You can see the same as I do, uh, the progression in every horse. You know, some horses have good weeks and bad weeks, and you'll see some jump up. And I don't have to mention their names. You can people call me all the time, and say, "Geez, I'd like to buy a three percent of this one, or eight percent of this one, or twenty percent of that one." And you know, you don't have to look further than the video or the commentary. We try to be upfront with people so that they can, uh, you know, you don't have to hold the band though. You know, you can tell when a good when a horse has had a good week, and and it certainly shows by the by the emails we get. Visiting with Anthony McDonald of the Stable.ca. Anthony, give us an update. What's been going on at the Stable? Well, I've had a number of people, uh, a number of people come to, to uh, buy pieces and, and ask about horses. I mean, we had a young man drive up, drive from Saratoga all the way up here to buy a piece of a horse yesterday, and it's really shocking to see the look in everybody's face that, that just wants to be a part of something, you know. And, and that's really what it is all about. And um, people that may not have been involved with with new owners don't really get a chance to see that. But it's something that it's really, really cool to, to have somebody walk in the barn and just be flat out excited to buy two or three or ten percent of a horse and it's great to be involved with people like that. You know, it really, really makes you love the industry even more to see people get in at the the very, very, very bottom level and um, see the see the look of excitement on their face and you know, I think that's lost on a lot of us when, as we as we go along in this industry, we get worn down a little bit, and we just expect certain things. And to see somebody get in at the at that level is is really exciting. So, for me, what's going on? Selling shares to, to people, man, it's, it's a great feeling to be honest. Visit Anthony McDonald at thestable.ca. Also, like him on Facebook and follow the stable on Twitter. We'll have more post time with Mike and Mike right after this. Do you suffer from migraines, back pain? Do you have shoulder problems or sciatica? Treat yourself to a MagnaWave treatment. Call the Essential Touch at 302-922-0917. Like us on Facebook at the Essential Touch LLC and check out our website at theessentialtouchllc.com. We are certified in human treatments as well as equine. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to announce the nominees for the 2015 Iron Horse. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. It's time for the Iron Horse. 
And I'll tell you what, Mike, we did we did a lot of digging for these horses. But uh, here are the candidates. The first candidate is Casanova Lindy with a mark of 154 and 4 at Pocono Downs. Has 313 lifetime starts. Uh, 40 career wins, over $440,000 in the bank. Casanova Lindy, one of the iron horses of the year, has won 13 starts this year. We have on the list Albert Chief A, a 14-year-old pacer trained by Kathleen Brewer, has 322 lifetime starts with a mark of 150 and 3 at Harris, Philadelphia, has won over $600,000, has won 20 of 40 starts this year, and has made $52,000. Mycella, the 14-year-old pacer, is trained by Alex Baru, has a mark of 149 and 2 at the Meadowlands Racetrack, has only six wins this year, but has made over $680,000 lifetime. Move On is a 14-year-old pacer trained by Brandy Somerville, has 398 lifetime starts, 55 wins, and over $700,000 in the bank with a mark of 151-4. and four. Has only one win this season, but has hit the board a bunch of times. And a, another horse currently racing is Activator, owned and trained by C. Brian Loney, has a mark of 149-4 and four at the Meadowlands Racetrack, has 386 lifetime starts, 61 victories, 937000 in the bank. Mike, I'll tell you what, that's the richest horse we have on our list. Criteria that we used for Iron Horse, uh, you had to have a minimum of 200 career starts, 30 uh, in 2015. And the key word here, Mike, is stamina. It doesn't necessarily uh, mean wins or losses or anything like that, but we looked at stamina as being the deciding factor. And a group of Iron Horses right there, uh, lunchbox horses, as I like to call them, Mike. Bill pairs, the, the uh, horses that go out there and give 100% every start, every time, uh, no matter what the size of the track is, half mile, five-eighths, one mile. So a good group of old warriors right there, and one of them is going to be our Iron Horse of the Year, Mike. i tell you what, oh, these horses really jump off the page of me. I mean, you look at my fella and some of these guys. I'll tell you, Mike, it, it's unreal that these horses have been able to do this, but I'll tell you, None are as great as the old war horse, foiled again. Yeah, certainly. He might be the king of the war horses. Uh, you know, made all that money, just uh, tremendous, tremendous, kept his form. Uh, you know, how many times, Mike, did they think this horse was done? They pronounced this horse done time after time after time, year after year after year, and just when you think, well, maybe it's time to uh, hang up the hoops, nope, he comes back and he races better than ever. Uh, certainly, one of the best, if not the best, harness horses of all time, foiled again. Big fan, Mike. Big fan. Got to get the, uh, the the Briar horse, too. Maybe we can give one of those yeah. away one of these times. I'll tell you what. I've got to get me one of those. I, I don't even – is it sad that I don't have one? Well, you know, it's not too late to uh, add me to your Christmas list, Mike. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I, I don't know about that. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for my Christmas gift, by the way, from it. I got a feeling I'll be waiting until next Christmas. Yeah, that's that's the truth. Well, listen, Sam McKee will be waiting until next Christmas for some of the things that uh, some of the things that uh, we promised him as well. I think we owe him a signed poster, don't we? Well, he'll be yeah, he'll be waiting for a couple of Christmases. But Mike, before we uh, move on to our last category, the upset of the year, 
I did want to mention uh, a couple of headlines. One of the things that I wanted to mention is uh, certainly a sad thing. Usually we try to keep it positive here on Post Time with Mike and Mike, but we do have to mention, especially me, because it has a little bit of a soft spot on my heart, uh, the uh, closing of Balmoral Park. Now, Saturday will be their last day of racing. Now, for how long for good, that's up in the air. Uh, obviously, there's uh, you know a lot of uh, different things that could come into play, a lot of politics involved. Uh, in that certain uh, situation, but nonetheless, just focusing on the racetrack, Mike. That's the tra- and every you know kid and person that's in the business had a track apron that they grew up on, and that was mine. I mean, it was there since 1926 uh, when it was first uh, called Lincoln Fields. Of course, I wasn't there since 1926, but I'm just saying that the track technically was there. <laughs> and a couple of fires, but the track was technically there since 1926, and you know. I used to go up and down that apron. My father used to take me. It was a very interesting situation because we used to take the back roads. There's a couple of different ways we could have taken because we, we lived in northwest Indiana at the time. And there was a couple of different ways we could have took. You could have took the highway, obviously a very, very busy highway there in northwest Indiana headed into Illinois. You could take that route or you could take the back roads. And I'm telling you, Mike, when we took the back roads, you could see the lights for miles and miles and miles. And I remember as a little kid, I used to get so excited. And, uh, you know, we used to get to the racetrack. And I used to go, of course, I used to go run around and, and used to pick horses. And I'd go tell my dad, you know, I like this one. I like this one. Of course, he'd never listen to me. And the horses would always win. And, uh, you know, and, and then, then, and I then started he'd get mad something. probably, right? And, and Mike's, of course, absolutely. That's part of the territory. And they used to have the soft serve uh, the soft serve ice cream down there. I used to love that. I used to get about four or five of those every time I used to go there. And, you know, the funny thing, I used to look at these horses, and just like my dad always told me, then I learned how to read the program, and I don't think I've ever picked a winner since then. But I used to pick winners all the time when I was a kid and, and watch those, uh, you know, horses. And they had the old five-eighths of a mile track back then. Uh, it used to be actually a half-mile. I think it went from a half-mile to a five-eighths. Then they constructed the mile. And one of the things I remember about Balmoral Park, Mike, my biggest memory was they actually had the five-eighths of a mile track inside the mile track. And I want to say the first, it might have even been the first two years, but I definitely know the first year they did not have lights around the mile track. So they would race in the summertime. They would race the first three or four races on the mile track, and then they would rest, race the rest of them on the 5-8 track, where, of course, they had the lights. It was uh, kind of a unique thing. And I'll never forget that's that. Cra- but, that's uh, crazy. That, that is crazy. Yeah. Where was that it, at? It was, uh, that was at Balmoral Park. That's, uh, that was at Balmoral. But, you know, going to miss it. I mean, it was one of the uh, places, uh, actually the place I grew up at, and, uh, you know, going to uh, certainly miss Balmoral Park. Hopefully some legislation can pass. I mean, I don't know you know, the the whole politics involved in, in the state of Illinois, but we'll see what happens. But uh, for now, I guess we have to put Balmoral to bed, Mike. Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, and the Hawthorne is picking up uh, some uh, racing days as well. And it, it, it's just, it, it's really sad to see another track kind of, and I don't want to say fall by the wayside, but, you know, it, it just, it's it, it's really sad. Well, it is. Every time you see a racetrack, and, you know, I mean, around here, you know, the the first, when I first moved out here, Mike, I, right away, talking to some of the locals, hear the stories about Brandywine, hear the stories about Liberty Bell, hear the stories about Free State. And that was the same thing in Michigan. Uh, you know, you hear the stories about Muskegon Raceway, hear the stories about Saginaw, about Jackson, 
Uh, Sports Creek just recently closed in, in Michigan. So, you know, I guess the whole point of the story is that enjoy what you got at the present because you never, ever know what tomorrow's going to bring. And I guess that goes for racetracks and uh, life as well. Do you have any other headlines you want to bring up, Mike, or do you want to get to this uh, upset of the year? No, let's go, let's go over upset of the year. I cannot wait for this one myself. All right. Well, Mike, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick timeout, uh, if I could run this studio correct. I haven't done too bad. Well, give me a letter grade. Um. Let's go to break. No, Never mind. Wait till we're off, wait, wait we're till off go, the air to give me a letter grade, will you? We're, we're going to go with a B plus. How about that? B plus, yeah. Okay, I appreciate that. When we come back, we'll hear the nominees for the upset of the year. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike. Post Time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also, so on Twitter at PT Mike and Mike One. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to announce the nominees for the 2015 Upset of the Year. to post time with Mike and Mike Mike Carter joined by Mike Bozich and uh, Mike I'll tell you what these upsets of the year uh, just really jump off the page I'll tell you what we can I, I know I can remember just about every single one of them this year and we want you to remember that it doesn't necessarily mean biggest win mutual so you have to keep that in mind although there's one blockbuster out there Matter of fact, uh, I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler if you heard us at the beginning of the show, but we already had the race call of it, but that's it. That's all I'll say, but just keep that in mind that it doesn't necessarily have to do with the win mutual as far as criteria of upset of the year, and as Mike reads those nominations, I think you'll understand why. So without further ado, Mike, you want to fire away? Yeah, the first one is Jada Queen winning at Rosecroft Raceway at odds of 371 to 1. Hemi Sealster winning the good times on Pepsi North America Cup night at Mohawk Racetrack. The other is Wakazashi Hanover defeating Wiggle Jiglet in the Pepsi North America Cup. Delta winner handed Wiggle Jiglet a loss in the 2015 Tame Pace. And then Rockin' in Heaven upset in the Empire Breeders Classic. Some great, great upsets right there. Jada Queen, we heard the stretch call from Pete Medhurst back at the beginning of the show because that race call is a nominee for the 2015 race call of the year. And uh, 374 to 1. I know it shocked Pete Medhurst. I know Pete didn't see it coming. But uh, 374 to 1, that's quite good. And I know that you did not have $2 to show on that one. No, I did not. I wish I would have. But if I, I'll tell you what, Mike. You know, I, I wish I had a, just a win mutual, just $1. And, you know, Mike, as a matter of fact, there is not only – well, not only is Jada Queen uh, in that race call a part of the race call of the year nominees, but so is Delta winner. 
who defeated Wiggle It Jiggle at the 2015 Cane Pace, Ken Workington's call, and so is Rockin' in Heaven, who upset in the Empire Breeders Classic, who is uh, James Witherite's call at Tioga Downs. So once again, we could have somebody uh, perhaps taking out multiple hardware, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mike, uh, let's let's talk now real quick on how they can vote. Uh, I know we, we're so gracious that Blog Talk has given us a few extra minutes to kind of chit-chat, but Mike, tell them how they can vote. Well, what we're going to do is it's going to be on social media, so you're going to want to follow uh, our social media right after this broadcast. You can follow us on Twitter, PT Mike and Mike One. You could like us on Facebook as well. So keep a very, very close eye on our social media uh, outlets. And what we're going to do is we're going to put the link out there for people to vote. Now, it's very important, one vote for person. Uh, they will disqualify if you try to vote twice. So once again, one vote for person. And uh, you could vote one uh, one thing per category. So you can't have multiple votes per category. You can only vote on one particular item for category. But once again, keep an eye on our social media page and our Facebook page. And the polls are opening in just a few minutes, Mike, just a few minutes. I'll tell you what, Mike, it's, we're just a few minutes away. And I'll tell you, we sent the press release to the USDA. So for those of you who are listening to the show, check this out. If you're listening right now, you can get a head start. You can get a head start. Just go to the USTA, go to the Harness Link. Um, I'm not sure who has posted it just yet, but it may be worth it to uh, check it out, to get in on the action, get your votes in. We will end voting on Wednesday night at 11.59 p.m. And I'll tell you what, Mike, that's going to be a uh, long, long night. But I'll tell you, I'll be at Northfield that night, so I'll definitely be, uh, be able to watch the polls. Yep, and our big award show will be next Thursday. It's New Year's Eve from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, we've got Gabe Pruitt confirmed on that show, the uh, Breakthrough Award winner. He's going to be with us. We're going to have a star-studded cast of guests that are going to be with us on that particular show. And, of course, we'll have the post time with Mike and Mike Awards. It's an open vote. It's uh, the fans are going and we'll certainly see what happens. But don't forget to join us next week, special start time of 6 o'clock. But uh, like I say, follow us on social media. Like us on Facebook and uh, follow us on Twitter, PT Mike and Mike one And if you have any questions uh, that you'd like to send to our email, uh, our email is posttimewithmikeandmike at yahoo.com. All simple stuff, and we look forward to seeing you on social media. So, uh, Mike, I think we should close it out, and let's get to the polls. Yeah, man, let's get to the polls, and uh, I'll tell you what, like, like Mike said, look on Facebook, look on Twitter, the, uh, the nominations have already been made, and I'll tell you what, we appreciate everybody who has taken the time out to nominate who he or she likes. Well, Mike, uh, for Mike Bozich, I'm Mike Carter, we'll see you next week. Oh, go ahead, he's got something else to say, apparently. I just I just wanted to say we're also going to put these nominations on social media too, so you'll be able to you don't have to have like an elephant like memory to remember who the nominations are. <laughs> uh, you can, we'll uh, we'll 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 guide you along at social media. We'll we'll be right there with you every step of the way. Yeah, we've tweeted. I've tweeted out, and I'll tell you what I don't know how I kept up with having to give them out too, but uh, I have tweeted out every nominee, and then we'll put them on Facebook here in just a little bit. Well, Mike, I'll tell you what, it's been a fun show. We'll see everybody here next week for our two-hour spectacular for the first post of Six to Five.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.